show. Comic Book Flagship. everybody welcome to comic book logic and once again i am your host joe and with me as always is kevin hello today we're talking about the marvel movie thor oh. <laughs> yeah we don't want to give too much away there but we're we actually just sat through a watch together of the 2011 movie thor um I, this is my the... official review is just an exasperated sigh. <laughs> That's all it is. There's no words. Um, we had um, I I've, I had just watched Thor recently, and um, yeah, my opinion still holds up of the movie Thor, and and that it's Thorable. Sorry. All right, I had to get it out of the way. I got it this, out of the way. This up episode top. of the podcast will be nothing but Thor puns. You know, and it's funny because. You know, we just, we had watched Iron Man two, and I in my mind Iron Man two was terrible. But when, upon the rewatch, I yeah. really enjoyed it. Not as bad as we remembered. Now, Thor, Thor? I was never really honestly a... worse than I remembered. <laughs> I was yeah, exactly. I was never a big fan of Thor, but now that I had watched it, I'm like, yep, it's just as bad as it's I remember it to be. Pretty awful. Now, uh, I had I had a bad <sighs> movie experience watching Thor in the theater. Thor in the theater. God, it's so hard to say. It's going to be so hard <laughs> saying Thor and everything else. Just say the Thorder. The Thor. The Thorder. The movie Thorder. Um, I had seen it in the theater, and it was really bad sound in the theater. I don't know what was wrong with it, but the sound had like this weird electronic reverb with it, and I just remember leaving it with a bad experience. And upon watching it, I don't think it was the sound that I had a bad experience <laughs> with. I think it was the movie Thor. But aside from that, let's do let's do our normal our normal yeah, um, beginning of the movie. What do you know about the comic book character Thor? What did you know about Thor before you went into this movie? You know, so obviously I know I knew a bit about the actual uh, Norse mythology character of Thor. I knew a bit about Thor, Odin, Fenrir, Asgard, uh, and so on. Ragnarok, <laughs> and all of those words that people know. But <laughs> and amongst other words that people know. When I would think about Thor, I would think of of all things, I would remember Adventures in Babysitting. That was nice. my go-to. Vincent D'Onofrio. That was my go-to Thor kind of yes. reference was the little girl who was obsessed with, with Thor, Thor and would come down the stairs and she had the the helmet with the wings and she had the 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 hammer and she would yell and I, don't, I really don't remember much in fact it wasn't even until not that long ago I thought that that was I didn't know what that was from I just had that memory of like a little girl obsessed with Thor, Thor yeah. and I, I didn't know like if it was from a TV show or what I mean it was, I think it was my wife was like oh this from Adventures in Babysitting I was like that's right so that's honestly it yeah no it's that's uh, that works I mean I think that <laughs> I think she was even like if I can remember correctly she was painting like old Jack Kirby versions of Thor in that movie yeah that but uh, Thor. And that girl grew up to be Renee Russo, who would play <laughs> the... Thor's mother. 
no, but Thorina the other thing in I, the movie. She wasn't named, so yeah. I assume she was Thorina. Yeah, Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio played Thorn Thor in Adventures in Babysitting, along with Anthony Rapp, who played the older brother in that movie as well. My I think God. it was Elizabeth Shue was a babysitter. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm not going to look it up right now because <laughs> there's no reason for me to look up Adventures in Babysitting when we're talking about the movie I'm gonna Thor. Do it, I'm going to do it while you talk. You do that with Thor. Okay, so Thor <laughs> debuted in 1962 in a, a Journey into Mystery number 83 Thor was originally conceived as a character very similar to the movie where he was exiled from Asgard by his father, Odin, and uh, forced to live on Earth as the crippled doctor, Dr. Donald Blake, who during a hiking expedition in uh, Scandinavia comes across a cave and the hammer of Thor. And uh, whenever he lifts up the hammer, he becomes Thor or, you know, and it's it's like I think it's a cane as he's walking around as the crippled Dr. Donald Blake, he hits it on the ground, he becomes Thor, and he can huh. fight bad guys. Then he become- becomes Thor? He becomes... Was he, like, always he's Thor? Always, it's was weird. It one of those he's, things? He's, he's lost his memory? Yeah, he's always... Typical. He's always Thor, but in order to interact in the human world, he appears as the, the crippled Dr. Dr. Donald Blake. Oh, he's crippled? Yes. Oh. Now, the... Yeah, because he walks with a cane, and the cane is actually his hammer in disguise. Metaphor. <laughs> metaphors <laughs> um and so you also have uh in the 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 movie you have uh you have um his sort of pseudo love interest jane uh what's her full name uh um, it's like where do you even start because there's tw- <laughs> as we were talking about jane foster there's 12 12- characters in this movie and it's like who do you yeah. start well, dealing with we'll, first we'll go into that a little I bit know, but it's, it's uh jane foster mm-hmm. just came to me uh jane foster is played by natalie portman in this movie but in the comic book version jane foster was actually a nurse who worked with dr donald blake and was also his love interest so it was kind of this weird very soapy very general hospital like, yeah. very uh days of our lives yeah, you know thing, and you know of course across. Just think of like uh, like Joey on Friends, like I get to Do- play Doctor Donald Dr- Blake or Doctor Drake, Drake Ramore. Drake Ramore. Jesus, I, I'm <laughs> turns out my character this week finds out he's Thor. He's a Nor- Norse god. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, Thor, 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 Thor. <laughs> um, would you say that this movie is the? thorn in your side it kind of is just because of of <laughs> all right second one got it out of the way yes we're gonna try to front load this podcast with, with the as thor many puns. thor puns that way we get them out of the way like a band-aid and then we can move on to the to the to the insightful wisdom that we always have to offer so originally for the majority of thor's appearances in the marvel universe he was the doctor uh uh, Dr. Blake and that must have made for really interesting reading by it, the way of comic it, books yeah. just a doc, crippled doctor who becomes the Thor. further adventures of Dr. Kane walking around however and later as, as Thor became later and later uh, evolved in the series he just became just he was just Thor and he would pose more and more as a doctor in the real life to get along with the human world um, now I'm unabashedly a a uh, Walt Simonson Thor fan. He's a writer for Thor during the 1980s. Some of my favorite comic book writing of all time was his run on Thor. And I get made fun of a lot amongst comic book people, uh, people I know who read comic books, because they're like, why do you like Thor so much? I'm like, it's really good. You have to read this. And I throw these, <laughs> and they're like, it's not really that good, Joe. No. Just just yeah. stop. Yeah. 
Um, and all of the cast of characters that appear in this movie have also appeared in the comic books um, more than the Greek mythology because you have the Warriors 3 with mm-hmm. the Asian warrior who really sure. didn't appear in Norse mythology, mm-hmm. so to speak, and the Carrie Elwes character mm-hmm. who was and really, Gimli, son of Glowin. And Gimli, son of Glowin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we laugh, but <laughs> it's kind well, of Well, we true. amused ourselves with a lot of this. Yes, Carrie Elwes with his um, sort of handlebar mustache. And then. Well, uh, actually, it's the Warriors Three who are. And then uh, the girl. Heimdall, Volstag, and Hogan. Along with Lady Sif, who is also in the comic books as well. Everything, everything. So the Warriors three and a girl. And a girl. The Warriors, the Warriors three and a girl. I believe that's actually um, Zoe Deschanel's new band's name. Um, <laughs> the the nice thing about the movie Thor is that it's actually fairly true to the vision of the designs of Jack Kirby, who was one of the original creators of Thor, along with uh, Stan Lee. Um, it's got this very Kirby-verse feel to it, which is very angular, straight lines that are sharp edges, um, a lot of heavy shadows and things like that. Yeah. Over-designed is kind of what it is. Yeah, if we can say one great thing about this movie, I do agree that I thought that, that the look of Asgard was, aside from some silly fantasy stuff where it had to be like, some of the buildings are floating, yeah. just to make it, just to, as if it wasn't obvious enough that we're looking at some sort of alien world yeah. or some sort of parallel universe or something, and it had to be like, oh, it defies physics, and they have things that can shoot lasers and <laughs> a rainbow bridge. Like, I get it. But... I remember the first time I watched I this get movie. It. I don't like it, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember the first time I watched this movie. Uh, I I believe they lost me at the words "rainbow bridge," and I know that that's unfair because that's, that's really actually in Norse critical. mythology. Right, it's in yeah. Norse mythology. It's critical to the story. It's critical to the plot. But it's like you know they didn't have to. They could have, I don't know, saved that. Maybe they didn't need to say it so early. You'd but, be okay with it if there was a Zeppelin song where they, it was called, like, Across the Rainbow Bridge. You know, I would be. <laughs> I, I would be if there was a, there was a whole, if, if Zeppelin was as into Thor and Norse mythology as they are into Tolkien, uh, I could buy this. I probably would have a much different review. I'd be like, it's like watching... Led Zeppelin's fifth album, By the Hammer of Thor. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Well, we don't want to get too far into the parallel universe stuff. Actually, we're not going to do Zeppelin. We have have something else in mind. Yes. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. So uh, we're going to go through a little recap of the movie Thor here. Um, And Thor, before you start, I mean, Thor already had, from someone, from my perspective, someone like me, who, who, as we talked about earlier, doesn't really know anything about Thor as a comic book character, although second tier probably is generous, I think, as far as I'm concerned. Had the, the, yeah, by the, the time this when this movie the came deck out, Thor was, was almost stacked third. against yeah. it. You know, so we're already. I'm already rolling my eyes of like, why am I watching a Thor movie? Yeah, I mean, it's like Thor. You you are right. It's probably generous saying he was second tier. He was probably like third tier at this point, even fourth for most part. 
Um, so the movie starts off with um, with three characters in the New Mexico desert. <laughs> now, it's what? not just one character in the New Mexico no. desert. It's three characters. It's three separate, apparently distinct characters. Yeah. You have Jane Foster, as played by the somehow has nerd credit uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah, the Natalie, inimitable Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Who I believe this was pre-Black Swan? Uh, same year. That would have been 2011 as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she- no. I'm sorry. I believe that was 2010. This is okay. the year after. So post-Black Swan. Post-Swan. Definitely post- Post-Swan. Uh, yeah, post-Swan. Post-Garden <laughs> <laughs> post, uh, State Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah. Um, with her assistant, Darcy Lewis, played <sighs> by the inimitable- uh, The imitable- Cat <laughs> Dennings. Cat Dennings. And Eric Selvig, Dr. Eric Selvig, as played by Stellan Skarsgård, oh. the great Norwegian actor. And can any Stellan listeners. Skar- Scandinavian actor. I don't know if he's Norwegian or not, but. And can any listeners go ahead and dial in the 1 800 number on the bottom of your screen <laughs> if you can explain to me why we needed three <laughs> distinct characters to play you got what the wise sort of fatherly uh experienced doctor character who of course doesn't actually know anything he has to look up norse mythology from a kid's book in the library and then you had natalie <laughs> portman's so- character who was so smart she built all of this stuff herself while she drove around in her winnebago and she didn't know what was going on and then you had kat denning who was the the comic the relief comic second relief. sidekick who knew even less about what was going on <laughs> did anyone have any prior information could anyone sit down and say this is what's happening okay. no so you start off the movie with them experiencing this um, anomaly that's going on in the, in the atmosphere, uh, and then they accidentally hit a person in a hit-and-run accident. Now, you don't see who this person is, but flashback to 965 uh, A.D. Is, is it count as a flashback if it's 45 minutes of the movie? Yeah, apparently it does, Ugh. because it's literally from that point on, you get the entire backstory of the history of Asgard fighting against the Frost Giants of Jotunheim. <sighs> Um, where you get it's like backstory, backstory, backstory. Yes, you get to watch it as a cartoon. Yeah, it's essentially where where you have Hannibal Lecter fighting frost giants um, and winning, and then all of a sudden you cut to modern day Asgard, the home of the gods of Norse mythology. Yeah, where you, I think the most shocking thing of all is the fact that you learn that the people who worship the Norse gods were right. <laughs> sure. This is a, a, a pretty big, uh, this has big theological <laughs> implications. implications. I mean, I wonder, you know, what are, what are three human characters from the beginning of this dumb movie uh, did with themselves? I mean, did they just start suddenly it would be worshiping really, Odin would, now that they know he exists? <laughs> it would be hysterical if all of a sudden, like in the middle of Asgard, right after they show the victory against the Jotunheim, you see Odin who's like, Thank you for the fight, Jesus. And you see Jesus with like a big spear. Like he's part of like the Norse mythology. All of a sudden you're like, Oh my god, they really went in a crazy direction here. I'm not sure how all those lines got crossed, but uh <laughs> here we are. Um so the you get to a scene where Mohammed was there, but we, they couldn't show no, him. No, they couldn't show him at all. No. Um Oh great. Now we're gonna get killed. <laughs> You have Thor, the son of Odin, about to ascend to the throne of Asgard. You see them as little kids. You see a little Thor and a little Loki. And uh, as I said, I think that wasn't really a little Loki. I think that was Tom Hiddleston CGI to be a little kid. 
but you have Thor about to become this the king of Asgard. But as he's about to, in the middle of Odin's speech, Odin stops and he looks and he goes, "Oh, there's frost giants around here." <laughs> oh, this sounds like some frost giants just got into <laughs> I that. I crown you king of frost giants. Oh no, there's frost giants hanging around in the room with the blue thing. Yeah, apparently the frost giants are after the blue thing, which is, yeah. I believe, it's the sacred celestial MacGuffin. Yeah. Um, that's by the great MacGuffins of Thor. By the great MacGuffins of Thor. Um, so they go down to the Odin vault to fight the the frost giants, and luckily a big robot destroys them. But Thor's yeah. angry. Thor sure. wants to go fight the frost giants. Yeah. So Thor goes to the cartoon world and fights the frost giants. <laughs> um, he he almost walks away, but the frost giant calls him a, a big vagina. I believe that's the term he uses. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think. And so yeah, they have pussy. So they fight the giant frost giant. They fight the gi- frost giants in an epic battle, and yeah, yeah, an epic cartoon battle. There was a lot of jumping around. The kicking. hammer was thrown. There is so much kicking in this movie. Thor does kick a surprising amount, <laughs> and it's not even just like kick like with one leg. He has to jump up and kick with oh, both yeah. legs multiple right. times in this movie. Right. It, it, then he falls down, but then he has to get up, and then he has to kick, and it, it's just, it seems like way more trouble than it's so worth. So much kicking. Um, but of course, at the end, they're they're waiting for the, the, the giant portal to take them back to Asgard as guarded by Luther from the BBC show. Mm-hmm. Also, Stringer Bell and mm-hmm. the, the replacement manager from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Most famous role. <laughs> um, he, um, Odin shows up on his multi-legged horse, Slepnir, oh. and saves the day and takes Thor back. But he punishes Thor. He's like, uh. blah, 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 blah. Like, they get in this big <laughs> shouting match. Uh, where Thor's like, you're not my real dad. It's, it, it turns out that Thor uh, grew up about like you'd expect from finding out from his uh, all-powerful godfather that he's the next in line to be an all-powerful yeah. god. Uh, he grew up to be a douchebag. Yeah. You know, star quarterback. <laughs> uh, always, You know, always got laid. Yeah. First picked for everything. You know, got whatever he wants. He got whatever theme birthday party he wanted. He got the Power Rangers party. They actually got the Pink Ranger to show up. Well, it's not Pink that Ranger hard. gave him a handy. You yeah, know, it's, it's the, the usual. It was the whole thing. Um, so the, <laughs> so he gets banished. That was to, a cut scene. Yeah, that was a deleted yeah. scene. He gets banished to Midgard, also known as Earth, Ugh. as long as well as his hammer. Uh, he yeah. gets stripped of all of his his fancy armor and his cape. And his big hat, which yeah. everyone in Asgard has big hats. The bigger the helmets. The more powerful you are. Yeah. <laughs> Look upon my helmet. Look <laughs> upon it in despair. <laughs> um, so he gets he gets banished to Earth, where, lo and behold, we're back to the beginning of the movie. where Not just Earth. New Mexico. Uh, of Ugh. all places. He's going to go to the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Robert Oppenheimer Nuclear Museum. I've been there. It's actually pretty cool. Well, there you go. <laughs> See? Good um, things. But, yeah, and so he lands, and then his hammer mysteriously lands, like, I don't know. And, um, like, 50 feet away like from 50 him. Feet I mean, away it's, from just, it's right over there. I mean, if he had waited five seconds, it would have been right over there. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have just been there. But he can't lift it. 
No, but we don't know that yet. No one can lift it because they find it and they see this hammer out in the middle of the desert, and they don't think it's a hammer. They think it's part of a satellite, even though it's got like a leather grip. It's clearly a hammer. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, it actually says hammer on it. It (laughs) says property of Asgard. Property of Thor. Property of Thor. He carved his name into it when he was thirteen. But then you go. It's also New Mexico, so I mean, these these people are probably on crystal meth at this time. (laughs) I've seen Breaking Bad. I know what goes on there. Um. So in the meantime, uh, Loki finds out that he is actually a frost giant. Ba- meanwhile, back in, Numa- in in Asgard, Loki finds out that he's a frost giant baby who's being raised by Odin. Um, and then he also reveals that he let the ice giants and the the frost giants into the Odin vault to begin with. But he finds out that he's a frost giant after he lets them in there. Yeah. So it, the big reveal's all weird there. Right. Yeah. This, this isn't. And then he and Odin get yeah. into a, a screaming match where he's like, you're not my real father. And then Odin yeah. has an Odin heart attack and goes into Odin sleep, <laughs> which is, an, as explained to Kevin, is an actual thing from the comics where Odin's like, yeah. Odin sleep. And he we didn't realize, though, that Odin sleep was a uh, heart attack induced. <laughs> but it is. He apparently. had a heart attack induced Odin sleep. So Loki, as being the only other son of, of Odin, becomes the king of Asgard because sure. that's what you get when you follow a monarchy a heretical monarchy yeah. uh, that's their own damn fault in my opinion mm-hmm. and then uh, so Thor being in New Mexico has this crocodile Dundee moment of learning that like oh this strange way what are these coffee mugs oh coffee I will smash it I demand a horse that's my way of ordering another yeah and that lasts for all of about five minutes which and then yeah. after that he's surprisingly acclimated to earth <laughs> I can use a pen now <laughs> <laughs> I know all of your things I'm not perplexed in the least by automobiles I think he just watched the uh, Jane Foster in a cutscene had him watch Crocodile Dundee and he's like oh this is very similar to my experience <laughs> um this is a far better movie than the one I'm in. Um, <laughs> so they find out that the hammer is also in New Mexico desert. And as, as yokels are trying to pull up the hammer, S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up and Clark Gregg shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, Major Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't mm-hmm. know why I sound like Gary Shandling in the scene <laughs> right now. Um, so... <laughs> so S.H.I.E.L.D. sets up an entire base around the hammer. Thor breaks in, of course, through a lot of kicking... Yeah, or more kicking, tries to pick up the hammer. Tries to pick up a hammer, and he can't. In the uh, meantime, you get this great... And he says, why, why And then he gets arrested. <laughs> father, why have you forsaken me? And somewhere yeah. in the background, lurking... Is, is Hawkeye. Is Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Jeremy Hawkeye Renner. Suicide is relatively painless in comparison to this movie. To this movie, um, Thor can't pick up the hammer, and he's all upset and sad. And luckily, Doctor Eric Selvig's there to break him out for some odd reason, claiming he's a loony. Yeah, um, gets him out of there, and and Loki appears and explain that oh, Odin's dead, and I'm in charge now, and you're banished here because it's the only way we could keep dressing really snappy. He is. We're both like, admiring. Yeah, he's Loki's getup in that scene. He's got probably got a wool coat on. No, nice houndstooth nice scarf. Yeah. Scarf, very yeah. slick. Yeah, very slick. Ladies but, love him. But that's nothing because then the Warriors three and Sif 
they don't like the fact that Loki won't let Thor back in, so they go get him themselves. And then they tell Thor, no, your dad's not dead. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And Thor's like, what? So just to be clear, they're the Warriors 3. There's three of them. And then there's a Warrior 1. But then all of, they're never not in the same scene together. No. So they're not the Warriors 4. four. Warriors 3 they're just plus, plus another person. Plus a girl. Okay. All right. I just wanted Warrioress. to- Warrioress. For the record. Yes. I just wanted that. Okay. Yeah. It's- Yeah. It's, that's the kind of <sighs> logic we're dealing with yeah. this in the movie. Um, so then at the very end, you have eight characters, including yeah. Dr. Eric Selvig, Kent Dennings, Natalie Portman, Thor, the Warriors 3, and Lady Sif versus a big robot that's sent to destroy them by Loki. Yeah. Um, and they're all Boy, new- there was really nothing in the middle of those two things. There was like an hour's worth of stuff, but like I can't like, even begin to there. explain to you what happened. Nothing. It's just exposition of two people talking and incredible tracking shots Ugh. of spinning tracking shots. Oh, don't say incredible. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so the the Eunice, the unstoppable, I believe is the robot's name is uh, Eunice Eunice. I, U-N-U-S. <laughs> oh, OK. It's not like E-U-N-I-C-E. No, like Eunice. Eunice. Like an, like, is that your grandma's like name? An, <laughs> like, like an old Dutch woman or something. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, actually, that would have been probably more impressive if Eunice had, had come <laughs> to to stop it all. Uh, <laughs> the, oh, God. Oh, I'm trying to... Like, hold on. Uh, yes, the, the Destroyer, I believe, is... Uh, they just call him that. Oh, it's, it's just the Destroyer. God, I don't think it's I Eunice. I don't know where I got that from. It's just the Destroyer comes to, to take them all down. And, of course... Thor wants to sacrifice himself to protect Natalie Portman, the woman he just met, because now he's in love with her. Sure. Um, but that's enough to get the hammer going. So the hammer comes back to <laughs> it's Thor. It's enough to get the hammer going. Yeah. He grabs the hammer and then he defeats the destroyer. They go back to Asgard and they fight the frost giants and Loki because Loki, you need to have a punching fight against. Yeah. But in order to, but Loki's like, no, we're going to destroy Jotunheim, the land of the ice giants. So he shoots the Bifrost at them. It's going to destroy them all. But Thor's like, no, the only way to beat this is through punching. And so he breaks the Rainbow Bridge. It wouldn't be a Marvel movie if we didn't solve uh, all the problems via punching. And not only do they, does he, he he solve the, the Bifrost problem by punching the Bifrost, he punches Loki too. Sure. Because you need that in this movie. And then the bridge is destroyed, but nope, Natalie Portman's still looking for Thor. The end. That's the movie Thor. God. A mess. A mess of a movie. Ugh. All right, so the the movie was originally designed, and Thor was one of those movies that was that was sold very early, and when the with the Marvel when Marvel was trying to make money out of its bankruptcy, um, it was first developed for to be a movie. It was starting to be developed in 1991 by Sam Raimi, the guy who would later go on to do Spider Man, 
in such an amazing way. I mean, I don't know how Sam Raimi Thor would have looked in 1991, which I believe Oof. was even pre-Army of Darkness Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. was 92, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was um, it was pretty much one of those development hell movies. And uh, I know one of the directors who was attached to direct it was uh, Matthew Vaughn, who later went on to do a couple uh, X-Men movies as well mm. as... Um, he did X-Men First Class, and he also did uh, the most recent... Uh, Kingsman, I believe Matthew Vaughn did. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so would have had a lot of close-ups and yeah, a lot kicking. of kicking. Yeah, crazy. Well, it did. The movie more, did have a lot of more kicking. kicking but... than, he also did Kick-Ass. I know that. Yeah. Um, a lot of he's he's adapted a lot of comic book movies, and it probably would have been okay. But I mean, that was back in two thousand. What's the notes? Uh, <laughs> two thousand six uh, was. Was it's only five to... years before it came out. Yeah, ultimately. and then it, it was designed for 2010 release. Uh, in 2008, that's when, of all directors, Kenneth Branagh Ugh. was attached to the movie and started directing it. Kenneth Branagh's A Midsummer's Night's Thor. <laughs> I had like calling it. it Julius the- C. Thor. <laughs> <laughs> How many Shakespeare Thor puns can we make? <laughs> Asgard, you like it? I don't <laughs> know. There, there's, like there's probably better. It's okay. We're you know we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll spend most. <laughs> now that we've gotten our Thor puns out of the way, we can come up with Shakespearean Thor puns. Shakespeare. That's the next level. All right. So this movie was one of those ones that was that were always initially designed, and since it, one of the things that was very interesting about Thor is Thor was right after. Iron Man is one of those second, what was considered to be at the time a second tier Marvel character, because you got to figure the big Marvel characters were already taken up by other studios at this point. You got to remember, mm-hmm. uh, Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. Spider Man, Spider Man, and, and X Men mm-hmm. were already all taken, and Thor was ne- was though originally it when initially introduced in the nineteen sixties, mm-hmm. he was the original member of the Avengers. He was a big character. Thor was a major Marvel character, and now all of a sudden he's the second tier character, and it was never—he was probably never going to be a movie mm-hmm. until the fact that Marvel had to create these movies without their top tier characters. So he all of a sudden they they put this out there, and with the success of Iron Man and the semi success of Hulk, they're like, okay, we're going to go through with this. We're going to put these characters out. Uh, so that leads us to. The 2011 release of the movie Thor. Yeah. So I think our our feelings on this movie are relatively clear. Yeah. Um. But let's 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 break it down a little bit. What about the acting of the movie? The movie, um, Chris Hemsworth. Honestly, Thor... everyone did the best with what they were given. Everyone really seems like they they buy what they're doing. I think uh, you know Hemsworth <sighs> does his sort of pseudo British. I'm very into it. I'm Which very Thor right now. Doesn't make any sense. Why does everyone speak with a British accent if they're Norwegian? Well, because you couldn't have a Thor talk like this. <laughs> Got to go and find my hammer. 
No, no, it's none of it. We got to. Wait, it's the Norwegian from Fargo. That's basically what we're going to do. Oh, that's a nice Bifrost you got there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, I hate that. I hate this so much. Why do they have a British accent? Everyone who's not American, American, who's from anywhere in Europe, Uh has to just be British. Or Uh if they have anything vaguely not British, like. Vaguely Eastern European, then you know they're a bad guy. Yes, because you're Russian. Yeah. Uh, um, I think the 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 best acting probably goes to Tom Hiddleston in the movie, who makes who actually seems like he's having fun in the movie, as opposed to anyone else in the movie who looks like they're in a junior in a, like a high school production of Hamlet. <laughs> um, Tom Hiddleston actually is having fun as the villain but i think he's the only one who can have fun as a villain everyone has to play it so straight like yeah. he's the he's the one who's having fun anthony hopkins has a lot of fun in this character too yeah. when he's not chewing literally on the green screen he's more subtle in here than he was in the exact same role in beowulf <laughs> yes which yeah if we want to talk about that movie no I don't think we, we, should we don't talk about that movie <laughs> no 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 but there was a uh, I, yeah, that was a. Uh, it was definitely interesting to say the least. But there's so many characters in this movie. There's far too many characters. When you have this much exposition and backstory that f- you feel compelled to get through, then yeah, you can't overload us with character. I don't know what any of those people's names were. I mean, yeah. other than looking it up. I can't. I can't tell you. I know Jane, and I know Thor, and I know Loki and Odin. Yeah, and it's all you really. I don't know anybody else. But in, in all honesty, that's all you really needed with the movie. Like anyone who's not those characters that you just named, you could get rid of them all. You didn't need yeah. Thor's. You didn't need Thor's mom. You didn't need the Warriors three. You oh didn't God! Need who didn't Sif. even get a line until the last ten minutes of the movie? <laughs> Renee Russo. Renee Russo. Ca- Renee cashing a paycheck. Russo. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Kat Dennings, like all these people, completely useless in the movie. Clark Gregg, uh, he shows up for continuity reasons. Yeah, that's it. That's to it. tie it back to and, the Marvel and, universe. And the guy who plays Sitwell too, who's also. Oh yeah. well, and we didn't even know we didn't know that at this point yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but we will. We, oh, we will. Spoilers. But, and that's and that's the thing is like you didn't need any of these extra characters in there. They are literally, and the problem is, is they're played like they're so important characters. You can't have twenty characters in this movie. No. Ah, it's it's it's, and they're it's not that they're bad. The the characters are all played fairly well. They're all like, oh, that's the fat guy. Oh, that's guy's the charismatic guy. That's the Asian guy. <laughs> that's the woman. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I mean, like they're very they're very two-dimensional in that way where yeah you they're easy to keep track of it's not that you're that yeah. lost it's not like the dwarves in the hobbit where you're just like right. which dwarf is this yeah no no one knows any yeah. of their names no it's you're right but it's but it's you're trying to watch this movie and you're trying to understand why you should care about any exactly. of these characters and then the movie ends and you find out that oh i didn't need to care about any of them it's like the ending of the movie should have a line that just it's just at anthony hopkins and going and none of the characters ever mattered. Oh my god, that movie's almost two hours long. It is. I'm sorry, I just had to look, and it just boggles my mind how it's an hour fifty-five. Yeah, it. it but you know, the last nine minutes of that is the credits. But still. <laughs> um, oh, we didn't watch the cutscene. 
Oh. Or the, the, the not the cutscene. You know what I mean? The, the yeah, stinger. The stinger. Those it's, credits. It, all it I can't was, remember what happens. Um, it's just a, uh, uh, I believe it's the, the cosmic cube. Oh, oh the yeah. blue thing? Yeah, the blue thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to find out what the blue thing was? Leads up to the next movie in the yeah. series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think there was anything wrong there specifically. What do you think about the, the directing by the esteemed Shakespearean actor, director, Kenneth Branagh? Kenneth Branagh, the man who brought us the greatest adaptation of Hamlet of all time. The Lion King? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, Kenneth uh, Branagh has not directed that many movies. He has 17 movies he's directed, only one of which, besides this, you could call an action movie, which is the movie he did uh, a couple of years after this, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Yeah, and which I, I had just watched on uh, Netflix. Not that good. He's not an action director, so I'm trying to imagine what led up to them offering him this. I, I honestly think, in my opinion, the reason he got this was because they wanted to go a Shakespearean route. They wanted to have this idea of a brother betrayed... Um, a, yeah. a, a, like the, the, the next in line, right, king. a like, prince in line, line. Yeah. and then something he gets betrayed and right. And then By he's Loki, fallen and yeah. he has to try to, and there, there's a love story. I, I, I see the relevance and I see the appeal and how he tried to do that. But, but you can speak to this a lot too. Cause we were talking about this a bit as we were watching this movie that, so much of the Asgard stuff probably should not have been in this movie. I think yeah. focusing it on who's this guy, not to make it a mystery because it's very obvious that it's Thor, but to be mysterious about why is Thor on Earth? Who are these characters? Why is this happening? What is it that he has to do? And you could have told some of that via flashbacks, which I think as lazy as flashbacks can be, um, he's not, we're not, it's not quite voiceover lazy, but it's, but it's, you know, it can be lazy, but I think someone could have done a good thing with that. And someone who had a little bit of better handle on, um, it, 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 sort of an action adventure movie, we could have done something, um, really exciting with it instead of just this. He, he, did, he tried to make it a, a, a Shakespearean drama, but all of those were our tragedies. Yeah. And so the only way for it to end, for that to have made sense, would have been for Thor literally to, like, sacrifice himself. And he tries to, but of course he doesn't have to, and then he ends up winning. Yeah. Ta-da! You get the hammer. And then he fights the robot for two seconds, and he's yeah. dead. And that's it. And that's all he needed to do was just say some nice things. Yeah. And then, <laughs> take me instead. And then he gets punched. And then, oh, he gets the hammer, and then he punches the robot, and he's dead. That's I think, it. Yeah, part of the... Part of the problem is is that I there's it's on two fronts. I think some of the best um, Marvel movies that you know not only have we seen but we will see comes from writer directors. Like mm -hmm. Kenneth Branagh didn't write this movie. It was written by three screenwriters who had written parts of the script over multiple years, no. um, cobbled together from probably the Sam Raimi, the Matthew Vaughn scripts, and so on and so forth. Taken from several comic books, um, probably J. Michael Straczynski, who they, they credit as having story by, um, from several different story arcs. They mushed it all together, and they tried to get this going from there. 
Um, I also think that Kenneth Branagh, and we've seen from a lot of his non-Shakespeare movies, he's not a great director when he, for example, Hamlet. Why is Hamlet so, why is this Hamlet so good? Because there's been a thousand other Hamlet productions and he's just taken the best from those and done that. Sure. Yeah. You know, he, I buy that. he's a great Shakespearean actor. So what does he do? He finds the best, the, the best things that have been directed by mm-hmm. of Hamlet and put those he's into the good movie at boiling these three, four hour things into what an hour it, and a half, yeah. hour 45 and, and getting you there. Yeah. And he's, and he did a bunch in a row. Other yeah. than this. I like J. Michael Straczynski. I think he's a fantastic writer. I'm a big fan of Babylon 5. But you know what? He's no Shakespeare. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't think the guy, uh, the you know, some of the guys who wrote this movie are any Shakespeare's either. So I think that's where he had a little bit of trouble with it. Also, his shots in this movie are inexplicably bad. I mean, just oh. like, like me and you were sitting there screaming at the TV. Why are you... It was so many dumb things where you'd it just people were framed poorly badly and nothing like, made any sense. I mean, it was just it was visually very distracting. Yeah, I mean, and like frustrating. Sh- whenever to you watch. looked at Natalie Portman, you were looking down at her. Whenever Natalie Portman was looking up at someone, you got a shot looking up at the other character, which makes no sense other than to be like, because she's a small person yeah. in this big world of these big things, but that's very, that's completely contrary to, to her the character, character, who is like, I, I, even though I don't know what's going on, I'm going to get my stuff and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make sense of it. She could otherwise be a very sort of take charge, uh, strong character, but she ends up getting reduced to just like this meek, like, oh, me, and, I'm looking and not, up at you because I'm four feet tall. And not only that, but you have these tight close-ups and these tight two-person shots that it's just like it feels so claustrophobic. You're filming in New Mexico. These are some of the places yeah. that John Houston filmed, or yeah. you know, not John. Well, Houston, I don't John, think it was uh, probably actually shot in New Mexico. Well, I, I, there, my was, guess. there was there was that's a, where that's supposed yeah. to be. But but I mean, you have these great desert sets where you like you could have these great like uh, John Ford westerns. That's not John Houston. John Ford. Yeah. Where you had these big open shots where you could see this massive New Mexico, you know, desert and like rock formations and this, this scenery where you could have this big, you know, open world. Well, it was filmed in New Mexico. Yeah, there you go. Some so, of it. And also San Diego and but Los the, Angeles. But the movie felt so claustrophobic because of the shots that yeah. they used. Now, I did like, you, you didn't like, but I actually liked the little model town. Yeah, because the, it the gave H.O. Railroad chance, scale model of a town? Because it gave us a chance. It, it made no sense. There was no actual road into the town. It, no. It, it made no sense. There was only a road when they had to have the, like, the close-up, weird, dumb spinning shots that would cut and then go back to the same yeah. location I'm just gl- to take you out of the, the, the timeline. There I'm was just only glad they, then, they saved but... the set from Pleasantville. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I liked it because it gave us the opportunity for some sort of old school practical effects. A flipping car with the with yeah. the, the sparks coming out of it. You got to have the 7-Eleven. Uh, you, you got to shoot a laser and then the 7-Eleven, like the, the, the big overhang yeah. of the gas station, got to kind of fall down. But how you don't have a gas station explode uh, in a giant fireball that you could film three times... Um, would have it is a little beyond me. I kept thinking of like, you know, the way they did like um, 
Universal Studios stuff. Yeah. So like Twister and like that kind of stuff where you oh, get no. the opportunity. Watch out, for these... here comes the truck. Ah! Ah, it's upside down. <laughs> they basically that. Like you could have done some of that and they did it a little bit. I don't think they yeah. they did enough. But I appreciated that because as soon as you see that town, you're like, Oh, this town's gonna get fucked up. It gets it gets this is gonna be good. They get this town that's supposed to be blown up and yet it's like it's, it's blown up in the most anticlimactic way when yeah. the destroyer shows up. Well, the robot, yeah, it just gets punched a little. It bit, just gets and then punched it's done. up, and then it's gone. And then you're like, oh well, it's a good thing. Okay, furniture is okay. <laughs> There's a big sign that says "Okay, furniture." I, we were coming up with slogans oh. for throughout the entire movie, which were like, it was like, when you don't need great furniture, an okay will do. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Oh. Uh, would have made more sense if it was filmed in Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like this little model town. And you could tell it's so fake. At least, and a good comparison to this would be in the movie Man of Steel, where they blow up, uh, you know, Plano, Illinois. And you could, they actually filmed it in Plano. And they, they blew up part of Plano, which actually helped improve the, the, the value of Plano, Illinois. <laughs> like, why couldn't they find a real town in, El- in New Mexico, like, outside of Albuquerque and blow that up instead? I, I, I can't. It's so. Once again, it's just one of those inexplicable See, choices. But I liked it because Iron Man had so much. You're right in the middle of a, of a very sort of busy urban area. Yeah. And the Marvel movies so far that we've seen have been pretty good about, and, and we'll get to one that isn't, but they've been pretty good about small-scale destruction, which is very yeah. contrary to a lot of what's currently going on and what was going on at the time in summer big budget yeah, you know blowing up action movies you, know, you have to blow rolling, up washington dc or, you know, or london or something and you just have big ben crashing into the, <laughs> the ocean you know there has to be this whole big thing um, <laughs> i'd like it if big ben did crash to the ocean because it's so far from the because ocean it's so far from the ocean that's why <laughs> that's they, a total they roll in the smashed stick, it yeah. and it would it would yeah. right exactly um Right, and the and the Statue of Liberty, you know, yeah. has to fall and crash into Big Ben and knock it over. <laughs> so and then aliens have to blow up the Eiffel Tower. Every movie has <laughs> every time. Every time the Eiffel Tower is gonna blow up. But I, I liked that it's it's it was very small scale and I and I feel like that's what they were kind of going for, but what was the what was the parallel between Asgard, this big alien world, and then how do you miss the alien landscapes of well, New Mexico New Mexico to sort of parallel that. There was no obvious like that's why he would land in New Mexico or 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 you brought up North Dakota, which also would have been fine. Like somewhere sort of expansive and alien yeah. and, and 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 no empty. real civilization and empty. Yeah. Exactly. That would have made sense. It, it was just a missed, all missed opportunities. Well, it's not, it's not even that, but it's just that they didn't use any of that to their advantage. That's the problem. It's like you have the massive Asgard use New Mexico, yeah. use that, and that's what I'm saying. The John, the John Ford, you know, like massive Western landscape. You don't use it, right? What's the point? There wasn't a single shot of anyone who was, you know, ex- just minuscule in a shot of just. Everything was just Enormous. this tight, claustrophobic, mm-hmm. two-person George Lucas-style shot. Yeah, 
you're just like, ah! It would just drive me nuts from, like, just a filmmaking perspective of just... And obviously, I'm not a filmmaker, but I mean... No, but I, we watch I enough movies. I could aspire that, to be, but, yeah. I mean, we understand, like, a little bit about, like, what is I've fun taken, to watch and what's good yeah, and what's I've not. taken a class at one point in my life. <laughs> and there's, there's so many scenes, but the one that I think drove me the most batty was the one where... Uh, where they're getting ready to, they're all getting ready to fight the robot, and they're kind of standing in sort of the middle of this 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 intersection. There's a stop yeah. sign there, very very magnificent seven. And yeah, and it's everybody. It's the twenty seven people the that are going to fight the robot. Yeah, and you've got the camera is sort of circling them, and it yeah. starts to circle them. It starts at this one point, and it circles them, and and. They're doing a decent job at first of framing where, like, as it's sweeping to the left, like, Hemsworth steps to the left, like, and starts talking to the characters over on the left. So, like, you're you're following the characters' faces, and a, but then it's behind them, and then it doesn't really make sense because your eye line is thrown. And then what does it do? Instead of circling all the way back around, it cuts <laughs> right back to the place it started. But now they're facing the other direction, oh. and you're just, and then we cut back to the robot. Oh my god! Well, I think I think Ugh. another one that drives me crazy, and me and you had talked about this, is at the very very end of the movie, you have Natalie Portman, Ew, Kent yes, Denning, the three of them. Yep, it's almost there, this silhouetted samurai esque shot of like the three of them from the back. Like, yeah, it's and it's lit. looking it's looking up at them, and it's 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 front lit, so you only see their shadows in the There's background. A triangle, and she's the tallest, yeah. even though that doesn't make any sense. And you see Kent Dennings walk away. She walks away and, and then, into her silhouette. And then you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden they just cut to a front shot of Natalie Portman. And then yeah. they cut back to that shot. And then Eric walks away. Yeah. And you're just like, why are you ruining this it with these multiple been, shots? There were there were so many edits that didn't need to be edits. And I just Ugh. wonder how much of that was just out of necessity. Things weren't just character mistakes, just acting issues. You know, just in, watching, in watching Shadow Recruit, no, normally in a situation like this, I wouldn't probably blame Brandon. I'd probably say like it's either the editor or it's you know studio pressure. But in watching Shadow Recruit, it's Brana. <laughs> there was so much of just reaction yeah. shots too, where like, like the scene with Coulson and Thor, where where Thor is sitting there and Coulson's interrogating him and. We have a shot of Thor while Coulson's asking a question. And then we have a shot, shot of, of Coulson, Coulson while Thor's, Thor's responding. And I'm like, why can we not see anyone's... Is it just... Was it why like can't a we dubbing do... issue? Like, yeah. could we not... Did we just... Did they goof up? Was it the wrong frames? Well, and, and it's like you have such an... I know this is like such an armchair quarterbacking, but you have, you have an opportunity in that scene where you could show so many different... So many different ways of... of the two interacting with each other. You could show that Coulson doesn't, you know, uh, understand who Thor is, or you could have, right. you could have like Coulson doubts that Thor's sane and you could have Thor and, doing it. And yeah, what you could do is you could even have Thor going up against Coulson and using Thor's mass against Coulson's little tiny body. But yet Coulson is still being stronger because he's, he's in control of the situation. You just saw what you exactly. can do. Right. You have to, at that moment, shoot Thor, in a downward angle because he's lost his power. He realizes that he's got nothing. He's just this guy now and he's sitting there and it's still, I mean, maybe he was to some extent, but 
There's so much you could do there, though. It was just dumb, weird back angles where it would be yeah. like Coulson and Thor's shoulder. It's like, like it's almost like you know what? It's almost ugh. as if they couldn't get both of the actors in the studio at the same time during the day, and well, they had and to that have was like a stunt shoulder. Stunt shoulder, <laughs> yeah. And it was like a stunt Coulson. It's like, oh. <laughs> It was just that's the level of frustration we had watching this movie because we've we have seen we're watching these movies not just because they're fun, you know, yeah. silly comic book movies, but we want to kind of appreciate them aesthetically on some level yeah. as 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 film as and works it, of art. And that's and what the, this one you just can't. And that's what's so frustrating is like coming off of Iron Man two, which is which was extremely a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Um, in comparison, this one could have been so much more, but it's just so overloaded. All right. I think that would take us to our next <laughs> section. Hold on. All right. Um, we've we talked a lot about how I think our feelings on this movie is pretty ugh. Yeah, a little clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we we kind of talked about like some ways of improving it. I I think like the biggest way that this movie could have been improved is cut out all the Asgard stuff. Mm-hmm. Just well, or, or just relegate some of it to flashbacks. Like we were talking about, like a a. a Right as he's about to try to grab the hammer would have been a good opportunity that to Loki. sort of flashback to... Oh, no, Thor. Trying to grab Thor yeah. trying to do it. But yes, Loki trying to grab it, too, could have been a bit subtler. But when Thor is about to grab it, he fights his way through, and he does a good job of that, and we could see him being powerful. And we're like, oh, man, Thor's about to right. get the hammer. You think he's about to get it, and then to cut at that moment to be like, why, obviously, why does he want this hammer? We know it's Thor's hammer. We know enough about that kind of going into the movie. Let's cut now to like him using the hammer. Why is the hammer important to him? And then it doesn't work. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, why isn't it working? Is it because he's on Earth? Is it because he's something else? Like, wh- yeah. what is it? Th- and we could hint at it. I think a, a big problem is, is that there is no mystery to this movie. You no, were, it's you all told, laid out it's right all off the bat. So for the there could have been so much, so many layers yep. is done to it. Um, especially. Well, it, it would have made all the stuff where he's not being Thor, where he's walking around looking like a, a just a, a Abercrombie a, and Fitch an model. Abercrombie model, just with his flannel and his shirt, and just being like, "What's up? I'm What's serving up? you eggs." You know, he could have. That would have been more interesting because it would have been like, "Why is this what Thor's doing?" Instead of, "Oh my God, when is he going to be Thor?" And this movie's going to be over. Well, I mean, it's it's more of. You could say I. I always think oh, like a really great comic book story is um, the Ultimates, which is a, a comic book story written where you, Thor's character you don't know if he is a god or not. In fact, a good chunk of the story you are questioning whether or not he's an insane man who thinks he's Thor. And I think that, that would have been a fantastic approach. And then at the end, when you find out that he really is Thor, you're like, well, fuck, the guy's Thor. Yeah. You know? Here he is. He's Thor There now. he is. Well, and that's right. Exactly. Yeah. That would have been great because He's there's actually so much Thor right now. instead of Thorable. <laughs> well, there's so much of that, too, because it's unclear, I think, to me from the movie. Are they – I mean, they call themselves gods, I get, or do they? I mean, they kind of what you like would it call a little bit. S- magic we call science. Well, there's some of that, but it's like – 
I mean, they're just aliens. They're just from another world. world but yeah. I mean, they're they're just powerful aliens that I guess are godlike, probably to the ancient people, and that's the point that they were trying to make. But Boring. he certainly doesn't. Right. I mean, it makes it's a much more interesting movie to to what they yeah. think when they first meet him. Like, oh my god, he's crazy. And obviously, little things make sense. Like. Well, and the, that's the thing is that the thing works on him like the zap, like the the, the taser, taser yeah. works on him, and it works on him, I guess, because he's been stripped of his power and he can't get out of the bed once he's been restrained because he's been drained of his power. But if we don't know that, yeah, that's much more compelling. Yeah, you you root for the character more when you don't know if he can get out of the situation. Yeah. Um. Instead of just oh he's gonna get out of it because he's Thor we already right. know he's he'll super get powerful. out of it later because uh, he's just he got stripped of his power because he was being kind yeah. of a d bag I think <laughs> pretty much pretty much. So how do you feel about this fitting into the Marvel Universe as all? Well? I feel this was one of the first movies as opposed to, well, I mean, there's only three before. I mean, you have Iron Man, Hulk, and Iron Man 2, where, like, does this fit into the Marvel Universe that they are building at this point? Thor, I remember when I, I actually saw, originally I saw Avengers before I saw either of, Thor or Captain America, which we'll, which we'll watch next. Um, those seemed so much more to me like they had to get them out of the way. Yeah. In order to establish the fact that they were going to be Avengers and blah, blah, blah. I think that's part of the problem I have. One of the problems I have with this movie is that it's like the, the connection to the universe is tenuous at best. There's no... Uh, aside from Coulson coming in with S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't feel like like there's no mention of Iron Like, where's Tony Stark during all of this? Mm-hmm. Where's where's uh, where's the Hulk? Where's ba- where's <clears throat> What's Banner doing at this point? You know? Now, and my perspective is, it has been very, you know, I'm not as big of a fan of the whole universe building aspect of it. So you would think that going into this movie, I would be like, great. Like this is a little standalone fun movie. Yeah. It'll eventually tie in, but we don't have to be sort of bogged down by that. But because it was so bad. Yeah. And I'll just be blunt. It was a bad movie from any perspective that you want to critique movies. It was not good. If you don't care about directing and shots yeah. and framing and all that kind of stuff, it was plot still, wise. It's terrible. It was still bad. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I don't care what your criteria is. It was not a good movie to watch. Um, there was nothing to really, all you can do is go like, all right, well, we got to watch yeah, this so that the he can be sense. in the Avengers yeah. later. Ugh, and it's like and there's, there's stuff that happens in this movie that they just brush over in Avengers. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. I don't want to jump no, the timeline. I, I know. But I mean, seriously, they're like when Thor shows up in Avengers, he's like, where's Jane? She's like, ah, oh, we shipped him off to her. We shipped her off to an island. She's fine. And you're just like, that's how then, much this movie is impact right. on the universe. That's how is. much this all of that mattered. Yeah. Was so that she could be a footnote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, it's it's just. 
you feel so bad for the universe as a whole because this universe, this movie exists. Like yeah. this is Thor's introduction, and it's so poor when it when it comes to that. I, I don't know, and and I, this is a, and I, once again I say for as I start off, I'm a guy who loves Thor. I love Thor as a if character. If anyone's gonna be sympathetic and and generous to this movie, it's it, gonna be you. Yeah. And even you are not swayed. I am I am more generous to the Incredible Hulk than I am this movie. Wow. I think the Incredible Hulk is a masterpiece in comparison, like the writing and directing of Incredible Hulk as compared to this movie. The acting beats in Incredible Hulk were amazing in comparison to the acting beats in this movie. The directing, the shots, everything in Incredible Hulk is infinitely better than Thor. Wow. Now, maybe that might just be because I had a few beers in me while I'm watching this and I'm screaming <laughs> at the screen. But still, like, Ed Norton... Um, you know, Phil Dunphy, <laughs> Liv yeah, Tyler, yeah. all yeah. great in this movie. In, in Incredible Hulk as opposed to the people in Thor. <sighs> and there's enough people in Thor that you think they could make up for it. There's like 40 people in Thor. There's 40 people. <laughs> it's just you had two uh, worlds pun. that didn't really connect. To... Except by the Bifrost Bridge. <laughs> they connected via weird Norse magic, and neither of them mattered at all. Not at all. Not at Nothing all. Nothing we saw will continue to matter as we go forward. Spoiler alert. Well, no. It, I mean. I, you know, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We still got a couple of movies before we hit I Avengers. But the, Thor, I feel, was just like this gigantic misstep. And they, Marvel was very, very lucky that they already had a couple, that they already had a movie in the can waiting for this, waiting right after this movie came out. Because I believe Captain America, the uh, the first Avenger, came out four months after. I was going to say, same year. It was the same year. I I, want to say it was, I want to say Thor came out in the spring. It was like a spring movie. And then Captain America came out. Late summer. Yeah, late summer. And it was one after the other. And I think they were very lucky because of that. Yeah. Uh, so that they could wash the taste of this movie out of their mouth. Um, but you know what? When I watched it, I remember I didn't think it was that bad when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. But upon rewatching it, in I liked to a lot it of stuff, less even, and I didn't like it much the first time. <laughs> uh, I liked it less this time. All Go right. Figure. All right, so that leads us up to our uh, our, our final segment where we we place the movie we Thor. Recast. We recast the movie Thor in a different time frame. So for this one, I, I told Kevin that we were recasting this movie as produced in 1988. I should have yeah. done 91 for the Sam Raimi version. Oh yeah, I didn't well, even think about that. That's until, okay, but we'll do it in 1988. Sure. Um, so let's let's start off with with the main character of Thor. Who is your Thor in 1988? I'm gonna let you go first because I have not had a lot of time to think about this. You told me like ten minutes it's into be, the movie, yeah. so um, I, this is a very easy one. There was there was one of is two it? people that you could cast, okay. and if you're casting in 1988, there is no better muscle bound actor that you could cast other than Arnold Schwarzenegger Ooh. as Thor. Hmm. Yeah. Father. Right. Father Odin. <laughs> I am deserved to be the god, the king of Asgard. Odin used to make me king, so I can... <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Uh, who do you who are you thinking? Who are you thinking? You know, I only went. I think I was just thinking too contemporary, and I was just running in my head through movies. Um, I I. I, I'm I'm not defending this all that wholeheartedly, but the first one that came to my mind that sounded even remotely plausible was Kiefer Sutherland. Wow, that's actually yeah. a pretty good casting. In all honesty, Kiefer. I just thought he looked moderately the part. He could yeah. pull it off, but, but he, he might be a little too young and skinny. Is the other thing. I mean, Lost Boys had just come out at that yeah, point. Yeah, he was young, so I don't know. But, but only if you're doing Donald Sutherland as as Odin. <laughs> only if you're doing Donald <laughs> good Sutherland point. as good Odin. Point. Um. Yeah. My other my other pick was of course Dolph Lundgren as is. But that's I didn't oh, want to get yeah. two masters of the you universe on it. <laughs> I didn't. Oh my god, that was the same year, wasn't it? Oh I, no, that was eighty seven. That was eighty seven. Masters would have come out. Yeah. Yeah. He would not have gotten oh, the job. No. But as much as I love Dolph Lundgren, I mean Dolph Lundgren is one of the most underrated actors in all of Hollywood <laughs> history. Watch could, Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I could buy an Arnold Thor, but. I would I would need to I would need to see more. I would be this very is, this skeptical. This is nineteen eighty eight, so it's it's a little later in the Arnold canon. I That's mean this is post true. Predator, post commando. Yeah. Uh post uh What was Red he Heat. up to it in eighty eight? What what would have been his movie at that point? In eighty eight? I mean it was pre true lies. I think he was just yeah, getting true into lies like was... the, the friendly comedy. So he was doing like um twins and uh junior uh, like I think that's what he was getting to around that point, if I'm not mistaken. We're two years out from, you know, yeah, we're we're the year after Predator was '87. So I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Total Recall was '90. Red Heat was '88. Oh, Running Man was '87, and Red Heat was '88. Yeah, so I mean, as was Twins. Your your peak your peak Schwarzenegger at this point. Yeah. So I mean. But I mean, he's got the he's physique established, for it. But he might be—I don't know. You don't think he's a little too old? I don't even think so. still at that I, point. I don't know. I just think seeing Conan, it, it, like I just feel like that's the perfect Arnold Schwarzenegger type. You part. want him to, yeah. You want him to do it, but you want him to do it in like eighty three, eighty four. You want it like young Schwarzenegger yeah. kind of killing it, but he's still. I, I either way, I mean, yeah. like I really want Schwarzenegger to play that part. Yeah. No. I'm the son of Thor. He could do it. He Why is three coming to my side? Let's say it was originally supposed to be in 85, but... Late 80s. Mid to late 80s. There yeah. was a delay, and it finally came out in 88, but it was probably yeah. shot in 86, 87. Yeah. Let's say that. Um, I, I, I feel like most of the other parts in this movie, like as we said, are, are mostly you know interchangeable the other main one is is loki do you have an mm-hmm. idea of who you'd like for your loki um for kicks sorry ladies uh i kind of thought it would be funny to go with crispin glover exactly <laughs> who i thought exactly it took us four podcasts but we finally picked the yes! same person for yes! something oh my god yes crispin glover 100 <laughs> percent he was the, he was the late 80s hiddleston <laughs> he, he's still my hiddleston in a lot of ways <laughs> I mean, you know, Back to the Future, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, you know, it's just not much else. But creepy, hey. creepy, Crispin Glover. Yeah, I was, I was thinking he would be. He's like my ideal t- uh, Loki. The other one I was thinking that would be that be, he was running through my head, and the other one I had before I had him, before I landed on him, was Willem Dafoe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a creepy late eighties Willem Dafoe would be pretty good in that mm-hmm. movie. He was busy doing uh, Last Temptation of Christ at that moment, but I think he could have taken a couple of months to do Loki. 
Yeah. I think he could have done it. Yeah, I. it's pretty much, yeah, ex- exactly what I said. Um, what about what about um your Odin? Uh, well, you said it. I, 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 I Donald Sutherland would have been hysterical. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What about you? What do you got? Is 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 cheesy as this goes? I go with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> really? Even in <laughs> remains even of then. the remains of the day, Silence of the Lambs. He looks exactly the same as he looks That's now. True. So I, I don't think it's it's any difference. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's kind of cheating, but I couldn't really think of someone with like that late '80s gravitas that could yeah. play that part. He's he's one of the only ones I think because I could think of like Sounds of the Lambs was 1990. So. If Willem Dafoe was a little bit older, he could kind of do it too. Yeah. Um, if we were doing it in like the the mid 90s, he could probably pull it off. But yeah. Yeah. Let's let's just yeah let's just say Donald Sutherland just because it's funny. Um, what about let, aside from that? Let's go director. Let's. Who would you want to direct this? Oh, um, gosh, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, well, it depends. I mean, what what do you want? Do you, I mean, if you want it to be, if you want this movie to be kind of fun, I mean, do you go? Do you go to? Do you go to Zemeckis? There's so many great directors that you could pull from the '80s. Yeah. Um, my pull was John Milius. Oh, okay. The guy who directed Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. Um, I did think he could pull off that sword and sorcery. And mm-hmm. because if you look at his directing in Conan the Barbarian with the wide landscapes and everything like that, that's sure. what you want for New Mexico. That's true. That's what you should have done. That's what... Milius that, had that, a very particular vision, and I think yeah. uh, that would yeah that would translate pretty well here. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many you could do. I mean, even I even think like pulling in Spielberg could have done something, like a very fish-out-of-water style spielberg's would have been would have been interesting a spielberg and or lucas would have been still at the top of their hollywood friendly game i mean i mean like spielberg at around this time was doing last crusade, last crusade. was 89 yeah. so yeah i mean they would he was he was doing his thing where he would but do that like would... a thoughtful serious movie then he would do like a family yeah. fun family friendly action color movie. purple and then the last crusade <laughs> right yeah. he could have done something to that Let's uh, something along those lines. But then we have our, our well, like Peter Jackson, like a really early. Ooh, like, that's they live. really early Peter Jackson. Then at he, that did, point. he might have done. They lived that year. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. He did really, really early. It would have been silly and goofy, which maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's a little. Maybe it was a little too goofy. Yeah. Yeah. That that might be a little a little too like when you have like puppets playing the Warriors three. <laughs> um. Um. I don't know. It's I'm thinking of who had big movies that you year. You know another one I was thinking would be a good one is uh, Milos Forman. Oh sure. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was in his grandiose. He had an Oscar. Yeah, he had had a, he, he, he won a couple for, years yeah. out of an Oscar for that one. Or um, or if you want to get really crazy, how about some Roman Polanski? Polanski, Tim Burton. Ooh, Tim, Burton's, Tim Thor. Burton's Thor. Late eighties Tim Burton Thor. That would ruin our soundtrack. Bridge. That's true. We <laughs> really oh. want. You know what? Let's just. I'm gonna go with my first choice. I'm gonna say Zemeckis with Queen as the soundtrack. soundtrack. Actually, no. I think Milius with with the Queen, Queen soundtrack, soundtrack would kill it. That would yeah. that would make uh, make heavy metal fans just. Well, that's what we were saying. Like throughout the entire thing, themselves. We with were glee. we were saying like. 
we need a Queen soundtrack like like Flash, like Flash Gordon, Gordon, where you need to bring in like Brian Blessed and and Timothy Dalton as part of the Warriors Three, and maybe yeah. maybe make Jackie Chan the 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 token I Asian Warriors big, Three guy, crazy, yeah, yeah. big like established dun, British dun, dun, actors dun, 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 to do all the silly stuff. Thor, He's from NASCAR. <laughs> Savior of the Marvel Universe. Savior of the Marvel Universe. All right, so so let's let's close it off here with our closing thoughts. Um, I believe it's pretty obvious Thor is a terrible movie. Um, what's what's it even add on Rotten Tomatoes? I, That's a good question. People are probably pretty generous to this one. They gotta be, especially in the context. I think people think like, oh, but it's not that bad. You have to get it out of the way. I mean, let's let's also look at. The fact that it was released in 2011. 2011 was a pretty crappy year for movies to begin with. Its meta score is 57. That's, that's not Rotten Tomatoes, though. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a 77%. Wow. With IMDb giving it a 7 out of 10. You know what? But you got a lot of nerds who are just giving movies high scores for the benefit of the doubt. It's it's like, I can't. It's the kind of people who go on Rotten Tomatoes and rate movies are the kind of people who would give Thor like a 9 or a 10 out of 10. I don't know. I mean, and their tagline would be their title of their review would be not that bad. Yeah, it's kind of cool though. I I personally would probably give it like a a five out of ten. I mean, like it's like oh, I'm I'm I feel generous giving it a three. You feel generous giving it a three? Yeah, okay, three out of ten. Here's my 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 justification for a five out of ten in that a it gave us. Throughout the entire thing, even though we were screaming at the screen, we were never, like, so bored with it that we were just, like, like, w- let's just turn this off. We can't watch any more of it. We were, we <laughs> we'll actually, just podcast from here. We had fun making fun of it, like, how bad it was. Yeah. Um, mm. The performances, especially Tom Hiddleston and and Anthony Hopkins, were fun to watch. The Odin performances sleep. were the only reason it was anything, because even I thought the effects weren't even that spectacular. Oh, they were they were garden variety for 2011. Yeah, it's like you're gonna have some lasers and, and, and also have some ice doing things and the I really laser. Appre- I really appreciated the the Jack Kirby stylings of Asgard, like what they brought into Asgard. Because yeah. every time you saw Asgard on screen, it was very eye catching. Like everything that they were doing, like the the. Yeah. The set design, the costumes, the giant helmets, <laughs> like sure. everything was very eye catching. But at the same time, none of that could help the plot. Like it was just so poorly written and poorly directed that you can't make up for that. Yeah. yeah. So I I could see where you're giving it a three. I'm going to be a little generous and give it a five. Mm-hmm. Like saying it's a 50 percent. If I saw it on FX or TNT and there was nothing else on, <laughs> I, I would give it a watch. When I saw it the first time, I'm pretty sure I went with a four. Yeah. Maybe, 
maybe a five. I'd have to look. I don't remember, but I I definitely didn't go higher than five. Oh, I, um, and I liked it less this time. So I would have probably I'm, given it a seven if I remember correctly from back in the day. And that's also after me giving like, you know, being like Marvel movies, yay! Yeah. You know, I would give it a seven, and now I'd give it no, a five. No. So. All right, so next up on our uh, agenda, we have Captain um, America. Captain America. Yeah. The original Avenger. The first Avenger. I don't care. Going with the original. Um, you know, we. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm very excited about this movie. I, w- I just like to give a preview that it is directed by the ma- by a man who directed one of my all time favorite movies, The Rocketeer. So. <laughs> ah, and it's got that great vibe. It's got, got that, it's got, got Rocketeer vibe. vibe. So, um. So um, go to planetarbitrary.com for all your Planet Arbitrary needs. You could follow me on Twitter at Planet Arbitrary. You could follow Kevin at... At K White Says, S-A-Y-S. You could like the Planet Arbitrary Facebook page. You could actually, if you are planning on going to the C2E2 for the comic book convention, you can buy your tickets at planetarbitrary.com. Ooh. Yes. Let's do that. You can also... Uh, like, comment, and subscribe to the Planet Arbitrary podcast, this and play on uh, the video game podcast on iTunes. That would help us out a lot. And also, you can like, comment, subscribe to Game Classy, my other podcast, where we talk about tabletop gaming. Um, yes, this will be this is uh, the fourth podcast in the series. We're going to be doing this until we hit the end of the Marvel Universe. We're also going to be doing some other outside comic book movies. Um, hopefully, soon we'll cover something that will take the taste of Thor out of our mouths. Um, so, Kevin, until next week, you're not my real father. Come, make it. Oh, watch it.